Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, although we are not fasting this coming week, this is a week in preparation for the great Lent, Veliki Post. And we're talking each week about dispositions of the soul and the spirit to better seek out the life-giving trinity. And of course, the trinity is our life because everything else is less than real. Now, we've all heard the homilies on the publican and the Pharisees and the, their disposition. I read a book earlier this year about the relationship of our Lord to the publicans and Pharisees. And although it is not so intimately indicated in the New Testament, except he does pay attention to them, that he was a more or less taught and of their number. So I think about the Lord, why, you know, he <coughs> condemned the Pharisees and the publicans. What was going on? Well, one, of the, one group didn't believe in the resurrection. Of course, he was there to teach them about the resurrection and to prove it. But more than that, one group was very dependent upon laws and regulations and good works. And they're, they're not bad. But the other one showed a more profound intellectual, psychological insight when he went into the temple and said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that was the publican. He was an administrator. But he had experienced somewhere in his life divine visitation. He had received a spiritual insight from God to say those words. Sometimes we, we Catholics, we are like children, and we think that if we keep all the rules, uh, then we're going to get to heaven. And I read somewhere in some literature some time ago that some monks uh, think if they keep the rule of their order or their monastery, that they are guaranteed heaven. My brothers and sisters, only Christ can give you heaven. You're totally, you're totally dependent upon him no matter how many good works you do. And I really chagrined at some of our churches where they tell the people, well, you know, you say your morning offering, you do this or that, that's sufficient. It's insufficient. The prayer of the Christian is the breath of his body. I've been reading Rachaninov about the Jesus prayer. And he said, always breathe through your nose. He says, when you feel that prayer, 
that breath coming into your body and your lungs, into your heart. He says, that's how the Holy Spirit should be breathing in you. And you know, if you stop breathing for a moment or a few, uh, your brain goes dead and you die. So what do you think about our soul and how we treat it? We're so distracted from prayer and fasting in the works of the Lord. Now this little publican, I think he had a visitation of God because he profoundly realized he was a sinner. You know that's a gift from God to realize you're a sinner? A lot of people, they got to figure out, well, I'm baptized and chrismated and I'm, I'm doing all these good things and um, I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. You were baptized and chrismated because you were a sinner. It says in Psalm 50, in sin I was born before my mother conceived me. That does not, not only mean that you were destined to sin. That doesn't what it means. But it means that you were born without divine, divine life. You were born without sanctifying grace. And that's why you were baptized and chrismated and fed on the Eucharist. But even doing that, some of us, well, I, I go to church every Sunday and I say my prayers and then I go about my life. God is our life. So as you mature in Christ, and please God, we all will, all of us, you go, go inside yourself in your holy temple and that becomes your preoccupation, actually. And what do you learn in there? You learn that you are a sinner. And in these um, staccati for vestments this evening, it mentioned that the Pharisee began to cry. He had tears. He had a profound experience of compunction. And the fathers tell us, until you come to that insight, your salvation is really minimal. Thank God for his mercy. And it's not, tears is a gift, but it's not a gift. Because it brings you to realize the miserable condition you're in. And the need and necessity of prayer. Well, how can I even get to that holy gift? To the gift of really repentance through tears if I'm always concerned about what I think, what I want, and my interior life is always about myself, and selfishness surrounds me. Well, you can't. So the publican, the Pharisee, one knew. He just went in and said, oh, God, be mercifully a sinner. The other one and said, well, Lord, I give half to the poor, and I do this, and I do that. Of course, you know, so did uh, Zacchaeus. More or less the same words. But Zacchaeus saw, Jesus saw justice in Zacchaeus, that he did these things out of his pure heart. Or about the widow who goes in the temple with her penny, two pennies, and throws them into the cash box, and he says to them, she, he gave from her nothingness. You can only give from your nothingness 
if you really have insight into the condition you are in and you become like the prayer in the temple, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, Brian Janinoff, the famous book on the Jesus Prayer, <clears throat> he spends chapters and times about this, explaining all these things that happen to the soul on their journey. And you're on a journey. And now you're coming up to the journey of great length. And uh, how are you going to do it? Um, you can only answer that. I can't. I can give you directions. I can say, well, this is what you should do. But it's got to come from your heart. Because Jesus wants the prayer of the heart. He wants you to say from your heart with tears, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If still pride abides in you and your agenda that you have for things, you're in trouble. Interestingly enough, very famous people in the history of the world have only come to this realization probably when they felt the pangs of death. And Joe Murphy came back to me from, he's back from Afghanistan, he came to visit me. He said to me, people without faith have a terrible death. He says it's awful to see. Even people with faith can have a difficult death if they don't use their time on earth wisely. And make no mistake, only the great saints among us are anxious to embrace death. Most of us are scared to death of death. Now, if we live in visitation of the Lord, in the divine embrace, and we've lost our agenda except him, we can say, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And we can embrace the Lord and he will come and gently take us to his heavenly kingdom. He may do that anyway. Hopefully. But as long as you hold on to your human will and your agenda, whatever it may be, and you think that you can fool God with one foot in the world and one in your agenda, you're in trouble. You've got to surrender. I think the whole church is in trouble. <coughs> The Holy Father, you know, he gave a wonderful uh, talk. And he talked about the necessity of living a devout life, but in an unusual way. He says the world more than likely is lost, and the church is in trouble. And he prays the reestablishment of little monasteries all over the earth, places of prayer where we can find these authentic Christians and we can follow them and be examples of what's going on. And we read about them in our spiritual books. How many of them do you know? And how do you treat them? The best compliment you can give your spiritual father is to, imp is to implement your own life by imitation, 
by imitation. As he lives the holy life, you should live it and try to surpass him so that you can teach your holy fathers. I remember when I was teaching school at the university, students are, you know, difficult. Young people are difficult. Some people even assume that if they get a university education, they're going to get a job. That's not true. They also have to know something. Nobody's going to pay unless you know something. I remember when I was teaching at Gonzaga, I'd have 20 students in the room. Maybe two should be there. Maybe two are prepared to understand what I was teaching. And I poured out my heart to them because for each hour in the classroom, I would spend three or four hours outside the classroom, starting months before when the curriculum, you know, when they put the curriculum out, you have to send in your papers what you're going to do. And you have to be prepared. Some have taught, spent a lifetime in preparation to walk into a college classroom. And some of them live what they teach. Some of them are just charlatans, complete charlatans. They want some kind of security or paycheck. And they want to live an academic life. Academic life won't get you to heaven. Or Jesus would have made professors instead of bishops, priests, and deacons. The school of the heart only is open to you by Christ and by ascetical living. So anyway, taking it back to my classroom, I had nuns there. Half the room was in habit and the other half were not, and one half didn't talk to the other. What a scandal. But I was a scandal, too, because the nuns and habits I took for ice cream, the others I forgot about because they didn't want to talk to me anyway. You know, and then I had people come to this class, especially one was history, one was liturgy, and one was mystical theology. And the mystical theology, there was a fellow in there who was a priest, I hate to tell you how he came to class. I told him, I'll just to give you an example, he says, if you come to my class, you have to wear your trousers. The church is in trouble because people are not disciplined and divine visitation does not come without discipline. There's no easy way. It's the narrow way, it's the narrow gate. By prayer, you can cast out demons. You can move mountains. You can make yourself holy. And you can brighten the life of everybody around you. Without it, if they are sensitive, they know what a scandal you are. God gives them the grace to know that. And they wait patiently. We do wake up. Wake up to God. Say, oh God. In the depths of my heart, I know 
I'm a craven, craven sinner, but I know your visitation can save me. And then the tears will flow. Not crocodile tears. And then from your heart will come a throne of grace. And then you will start to suffer. Because with grace comes suffering, not joy. Joy comes with heaven. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We are approaching Lent now. Take it serious. Don't follow the minimal directions of the Catholic hierarchy. They're all falling apart anyway. <coughs> follow the teachings of the fathers of the church and make yourself a monument for us so that in your example we will be saved. If you want a minimal Catholic faith, your salvation will be minimal. But if you give everything there is in you to your Catholic faith and to prayer, your salvation will be magnanimous and abundant. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.